hope that message is clear. He just loves you. He overwhelmingly loves you. And because of that, we pray that, that that overwhelming love pours out of you into others. That's what we're in the middle of a heart check. Uh, for 12 years now, we've been saying we want to be a ministry that's not about us. We want to be about reaching the world for Christ. And I know it's during, a lot of people have asked, why, why are you doing this during an election season that is so complicated? Well, that's why we're doing it, so that we can rise above it. There's something about the election season that makes us all somewhat feel selfish. You know, I want to vote for that which that party that will help me in my agenda, and and it becomes really self-centered. And there's something amazing about remembering, <laughs> my life is not about me. My life is about the Lord and what the Lord wants to do in and through us. And we get to rise above this moment. And so what a great privilege. Uh, so so I say you're welcome that we're helping you to get away from the craziness of this moment. And that's the privilege of what Heart Check is about. So a couple of weeks. Weeks ago, we started talking about um, how to what the ministries are that we're going to pour into in Buffalo, and then last week we looked at how we're going to uh, the various ministries around the world that we're going to continue to support. Today we get to look at the South Towns and really look at here at home. And so what's really cool about doing it this way is uh, we saved it for this way because this week we celebrate our very first anniversary with the Springville Crossing Campus, and so we're one year old in our Springville ministry down and Watermark Wesleyan down in the Springville area. So let's welcome them online with the, those of them watching us to be able to have a Springville influence. One of our dreams for Heart Check is that this year we have a lot of people, and we had at one point a Wesleyan presence in East Aurora. Um, that is no longer, and so we're actually going to target and go after a, a ministry area of East Aurora this year as well. And so you'll be hearing a lot about that in the coming uh, months. Uh, you may be wondering, okay, how do, how do I get connected? How do I get to know about this? Well, this week you received a commitment card in the mail, most likely, hopefully. If not, it'll come right now. But um, the commitment card, uh, we want you to be praying about these for the next uh, two weeks and really three weeks as we lead into a time of saying, I want to commit to this because Heart Check is rising above and beyond our general offering to say, how can we minister to the world around us? And so today, as I said, we're looking at the um, here at home. Here are what we will be supporting uh, in different ways. Um, if you want to check this out, Jay Bradway is the head of our area of just um, loving the, this area. And uh, you'll see some of his teaching on where we're headed with uh, the here at home. As part of our efforts to press on in local outreach in this coming year and a half, we'll be supporting three terrific ministries that impact our South Towns community. Compass Care works tirelessly to reduce abortions in our area, and our relationship continues with them. They were formerly known as the South Towns Pregnancy Center, and we're seeking to help support their local TV advertising so word gets out about this important resource to support women in crisis. We're also partnering with Every Child, a ministry that supports fostering and adoptive families and their children. With your support, Every Child will be able to launch their care portal that connects the community and churches to further this valuable work. And finally, Buffalo Peace House is a refugee center located in the South Towns that has hired more staff as they expand their services. As part of Heart Check, we'll be able to help them support those positions. Also located in the South Towns, of course, are our many facilities. 
Well-maintained facilities give us a place to grow and train our church family so we can go on mission. As part of this campaign, we will continue to care for the properties and buildings that God has blessed us with. We will be performing exterior building maintenance and completing another phase of the roof at the McKinley campus. We will also renovate the children's space at South Creek. It is our privilege as the facilities team to provide support to so many ministries. Thank you for your continued care and generosity through HeartCheck. I know it's making a difference in the lives of people right here at home as well as around the world. You, you may have questions about how we're breaking down the financing and where we're giving in different ways. And so you can go onto our website and uh, really how we've been saying it. We're going to press on and be who we've always been, even in the midst of a pandemic. I want to invite you to also literally press on the website and you can get all the breakdowns. We're looking at really overall 1.1 million that we want to give above and beyond to all of the different ministries we're talking about. And additionally, then 400,000 to make sure that we can care for the facilities God has given us here so we can continue to be a mission outreach for generations to come. Uh, each week you've been hearing us give some different interviews so we get to know our ministry partners in different ways. And I have a great privilege of interviewing and introducing us to uh, our Compass Care uh, connection here. Well, this is Dean Condon. And uh, Dean, we're so grateful that you're here with us in your ministry. And so tell us a little bit about Compass Care and uh, what it does. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Yeah. Uh, Compass Care operates out of a conviction that every person, every human being, from the moment of conception, is made in the image of God, is of immeasurable value and worthy of protection. Abortion doesn't sit on the line of a host of variety of issues because it really is a fundamental primary principle to a just society that sees that every life, regardless of its stage of development, is worthy of protection. Compass Care is a fully medical pregnancy center that has developed a service model for women seeking abortion or considering abortion that has been really effective in Rochester, seeing a 50% drop in the number of abortions over the past 10 years. Compass Care, more recently, 18 months ago, adopted the South Towns Pregnancy Center and two others and consolidated and began operating here in Buffalo with a vision of reducing abortion in Buffalo by 50% in five years. When a woman is finding herself with an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy, she often is faced with a tremendous amount of anxiety about her circumstances and her future. And so she often feels that she doesn't have a choice, ironically, and needs to have an abortion. And so Compass Care seeks to erase the need for abortion, transforming fear into confidence one woman one baby, one baby boy, one baby girl at a time. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, as, as we're um, doing an 18-month, um, year-and-a-half heart check um, campaign, we want to be able to just really fund uh, specifically. What are some dreams that you have for this year-and-a-half coming up? So what we've seen since the adoption and operation beginning 18 months ago is 159 women have chosen to carry their babies to term. And 115 have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. That's great news. That is, is great. The response has been tremendous. 
in Buffalo, one in four women coming through the doors commits her life to Jesus. It is just an amazing phenomenon. So looking forward to the next 18 months, we're anticipating and hoping to see 275 women choosing to carry their babies to term and over 200 receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. To reach women seriously considering abortion, it's important to reach them at the, at the right time in the right way and, and, and the right women. To do that, advertising is essential. Compass Care will spend, over the next 18 months, $150,000 in advertising in order to reach these women so that they can know about Compass Care, they know their options, and they understand what is before them. And so community awareness is essential so that word-of-mouth referral will continue to grow as women seek and consider the question of abortion. I'm certain that with a topic like this and a conversation that is starting to stir in people's minds, they would want to talk to you more. And so how can we be in touch with you? And um, it really, one of our dreams for Heart Check, and we haven't really talked about this, we'll get to this in the weeks to come, but one of our dreams is that um, we um, each individually find one of these ministries and really pour deeply into it and really partner with you. Uh, if somebody wants to connect with you and talk more, tell us how to connect with you. Well, one easy way is I'll be right here after the, the service is over, but uh, you can come to a vision tour. It's usually the starting point for all volunteers to discover more about the vision, mission, and operation of Compass Care to learn how your gifts, how your passions fit into the ministry of Compass Care. Compass Care is simply the pro-life expression of the local church, and without the local church, there wouldn't be Compass Care, there wouldn't be a pro-life movement. And so connecting, uh, getting information on how to connect will be available out, outside. You can always Google us and find us and, 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 and find out how to connect. But there's ways to participate through prayer, through uh, uh, participating as a volunteer in the office, activities, or even right here at West uh, Watermark. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I'd love to, in light of what you just said, I'd love to pray over you. Are there anything specifically we can pray for for you? Yes. Pray for women seriously considering abortion that they find Compass Care and that they choose life and that they choose Jesus. And pray for the nurses to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak the right words to touch the hearts of these women. Uh, we'll do. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for Dean and for his ministry as over the last year he's um, just really um, seen your favor. Uh, use him and use Compass Care and um, all the ways in which through the years we've seen... Um, your hand of blessing. You are the giver of life. You always have been. And we, we don't take lightly what you are doing in this moment, God. Uh, so I thank you that we get to be a part of this. And uh, so I pray that Compass Care, just as Dean was saying, will see expanded territory, expanded blessing, expanded honor, uh, as you have the opportunity to just really um, bring more and more life into the South Towns and the Buffalo and, as he said, Rochester areas. God, um, what, a, what a great and awesome privilege it is to see how your hand is moving in this world in tangible ways. So I pray your blessing upon the nurses and all the different teammates that, that go into uh, this ministry. And so I pray your favor be upon Compass Care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we say thank you to Dean? That's thank, great. You. thank you. Thank so you so much. Great. Well, good morning. You know, it's it's really a joy to have people like Dean here today and Poetis last week and and Julie from Path the week prior just to hear how we're impacting the world. You know, as I step back sometimes and I look at the impact we've had over these last 12 or so years of heart check and all that we've done, it's it's breathtaking. 
and, and now to partner with Compass Care and to hear the statistics and the hopes and the dreams that Dean is sharing, we have the impact to continue to, um, we have the opportunity to continue to impact our local area in just incredible ways. So thank you for being a part of it in the past. And, and as we're nearing commitment weekend in a couple weekends, I pray that you would continually be seeking your heart and asking God, what do you have for me this year um, through Heart Check? Speaking of hearts, um, that's a good segue, I suppose. Um, I have a date circled on my calendar every year that I don't look forward to. That I see it coming, I know it's there, and I'm, I'm always trying to get out of it, plan something over it, do something different so I don't have to go. Do you want to know what it is? It's not my anniversary. It's my annual physical. When I see that coming on the calendar, it, there's something about it. It's almost like you're going to, you, you sample your own or experience your own mortality in that moment. Because, you know, the doctor could say this, this, and this doesn't look quite right, and this is what you need to do. Well, in 2018, I went for my normal physical, and my least favorite part of the whole thing is the EKG. Because, first of all, you lay there, they stick those things all over wherever they stick them, and when they yank them off, it's the worst. But you're laying there, and then they just sort of monitor your heart and see the rhythms and what's happening and see if they can tell if anything's wrong. Well, in 2018, while I was doing that, the PA came in after and said, ah, we don't like what we just saw in your EKG. And not only, but my, my heart sank. All of a sudden I was thinking, what in the world's wrong? And the way my, maybe I shouldn't have, but I started jumping to all these ideas of what really might be going on. So they scheduled a stress test. And if you've ever had that, it's this, the most weird test. Let's find somebody who has an issue with a heart, put them on a treadmill and see when they fall over. It's sort of how I felt about it. But they, the day came and I wasn't anticipating, I was anticipating it with a negative thought and I was not looking forward to it. I get there. They, you know, get me all ready to hook up the leads again. I hop on the treadmill and they say, all right, here we go. We're going to go increase the speed, and as we go, we're going to continue to increase the angle. And, and here I go. I'm on the treadmill, and first I'm thinking, this isn't all that bad, right? I can do this. Then the speed keeps going and increasing. The angle increases, and I'm just chugging along. I'm not running with grace or anything. I'm chugging along, just hoping that I don't fall off or something doesn't happen or my heart doesn't explode in my chest, perhaps. But the angle kept going up and up, and I'm sweating buckets. Sweat is just dripping off of me because it was hot in the room, and there's two people watching me. It was just this most awkward experience. And finally, it gets to an end, and I'm huffing and puffing, hands on my knees, trying to catch my breath, as the case was. I'm not going to make it out to be anything that it wasn't. But then I said to the, the, the folks administering the test, I said, so how did I do? How's my heart? If this was my heart check, what is the condition of my heart? And to my surprise, they said, you have the heart of a 19-year-old male. And I was 44 at the time. I just lost 25 years in a second. Talk about an ego boost, right? It was incredible. But in that moment, I realized the importance of checking our hearts, first as individuals, but then as we've been doing this as a church over our history, what's the status of our hearts? Twelve years ago or so, we began Heart Check with the idea. We'd started some stuff in Africa. We had just built the hub. And, and we came to the point where we said, what makes us tick? Were these just projects that we jumped into and thought were good? Or are they something we can maintain into the future? What is the status of who we are? So we did our first Heart Check. And we did a number of them after that. And every time we did it, we saw the condition of the hearts of people in this church. Over the years, I believe we've seen our culture change. 
I believe we as a church have become much more concerned about what's happening outside the walls of this church at times than what happens here. Looking to the needs of others is greater than our own. And I think as we've been engaged in heart check, we have really seen our hearts change. Well, today we're going to continue in the series. This is the fourth week, and we're going to jump on the treadmill, if you will. We're going to have our own stress test and see where we're going. The book we're going to look at, or the scripture, is in Ephesians. We're going to take a look at Ephesians 3 today, but this is my encouragement. In Ephesians, there's six chapters, so this week in your devotions, if you're looking for something to read, why don't you start with Ephesians 1 tomorrow and work your way through throughout the week, and as you do, see how the Lord speaks to you. See if the things you read and understand begin to shape the way you live and act in this world, because Ephesians has a way of doing that, as we'll see in just a few moments. But if I was going to read this statement to you, if I was going to share this with you, what's your initial response? The world is a better place now than prior to the first Easter. As you hear that, what sort of stirs in your heart? Do you start to think, have you looked? Have you seen the news lately? How is this better than back then? Everything's in chaos. The world is in pandemic. Countries are closing down. It's chaos. How do you think this is better now than before the first Easter? That's impossible, you may say. That doesn't make any sense, Paul. That's not what I came here for today. The world's a mess. But prior to Jesus... Prior to Jesus coming to this world and being born of a virgin and living a perfect life and dying a sinner's death, but not not staying in the grave, but on the third day raising again, he changed everything. And from that moment on, our world was forever different. And it was a culture-changing moment. You see, prior to Jesus coming, you had those who would receive the, the word of God, the covenant with God. They walked with him, and sometimes they strayed off to the left or strayed to the right, but God was still their God, and he drew them back. He created ways for them to come back to himself over and over and over again, and they were his people who he dearly loved. They were the Jewish people. And outside of that was everybody else. The rest of the world who weren't God's people were called Gentiles. And the Jews wouldn't even invite a Gentile into their home. They were afraid to mix. In fact, God told them, don't even marry with those people because you'll dilute who you are. Stay away. Stay on your side, if you will. If there was a line drawn, stay on your side of the line and let them live over there and never mix. And for for centuries, there were the Jews and the Gentiles separated, separated, And that's why Jesus was such an incredible thing. And as we read Ephesians, we're going to read something that changed culture. That as a first century reader, you would read it and say, that's impossible. How did that happen? It was so ingrained in them to be separated and to be two different peoples that all of a sudden it changed when Jesus came. So if you join me, if you have your Bible, if you want to turn to it, we're going to begin in Ephesians 3. We're going to stay in Ephesians 3 and pick different sections of it. But the first is Ephesians 3, verse 6 and 7. Verse 6. And it says this. This mystery, the mystery he's talking about is that Jesus came and changed everything. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, listen to this, are heirs together with Israel. 
members together of one body and share together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This was unbelievable. Jesus came and he changed everything. All of a sudden, the Gentiles who were over here were joint heirs with Israel in everything the Lord had promised, that everything God had said. He took the two and, and put them on equal footing, on an equal playing field. And all of a sudden, they had the same rights as those who lived in Israel. Unbelievable truth. It's almost as if you had the Hatfields and the McCoys. And all of a sudden, they could live in harmony and there was no longer any animosity between the two. Or even a better example, it's as if the Bills Mafia would welcome in all Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins fans without any questions. That would be ridiculous to us, wouldn't it? But that's exactly what happened. And in fact, it was much bigger than both of those examples combined. Those are trivial in comparison to what happened. All of a sudden, the Jews and the Gentiles had access to God through Jesus on an equal playing field. It changed everything. It was a culture-changing moment. And to a first-century reader, it, it, they couldn't even understand the life-saving information of the gospel, the life-saving words of Jesus, his actions, his death, resurrection, was equally available to all people. The gospel is for all people. And for the first time, the Jews had to wrestle with this as Jesus died, and then Paul calls it out in this letter to the Ephesians because although Jesus had died, people were still living contrary to the gospel message. And he's calling this church to say, wait a second. Welcome your Gentile brothers and sisters in. If they accept the Lord, they are co-heirs with you. The gospel is for everybody. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, yeah, but I know some people who really don't deserve, they really don't deserve to know who Jesus is because of the life they've lived, the things they've done, the thoughts they've had. Who knows what the case may be, but this person maybe doesn't, doesn't deserve the gospel. And I would say, Jesus died for that person. And they have full access to the gospel. You might be thinking, you don't know what I've done in my life, the, the things I've done, the things I've seen, the things I've said. You don't know where I've been, how I've treated people. You have no idea. How is this available to me? If you're thinking that, the gospel is for you too. If you're watching online and you're saying, this is ridiculous, the gospel is for you too. It's for all people every race, every gender, both genders, everything in our world. The gospel is for all people. To this church, that was ground-shaking knowledge. It changed everything. And in our worlds, it is still ground-shaking because we don't always live that way. We have those in our minds who we think are good enough and those who don't, right? Just be honest with yourself. The gospel's for all people. That's the first step in our heart check on our treadmill this morning. Let's flip just one page if you're following along to Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel. The reason he kneels is because the gospel is now available to all people. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I just love this imagery. I see Paul literally falling to his knees, crying out, crying out that the Holy Spirit would would come to people and people would get strength from the Spirit, strength to admit what they've done, strength to understand the need they have for a Savior. Strength to really go beyond maybe where they've lived before and understand there's so much more to life. So that Christ may dwell richly in their hearts. Holy Spirit, reveal to people what, who they are in you so that you can dwell in their hearts. What if we started praying that for people in our worlds? What if we took this prayer from Paul seriously and we looked at it and we read it and said, oh, if Paul's praying, if Paul's praying on his knees for the Holy Spirit to impact their lives in such a way that they can experience Christ in their life in a way they'd never dreamt of, if Paul's praying that, Shouldn't we? For the person in your life who you think is furthest from God, for the person in your life who you think they have, they'll never understand any of this, maybe you're thinking of two or three people in your mind right now who you know are far from God. This is my challenge. Pray for them that they would understand and experience the goodness of God. That the Holy Spirit would come and just like Paul prayed it, all of a sudden their hearts would be opened up and they would experience the goodness of God and that they would invite Christ in and he would come and dwell in their hearts. My goodness. What if we all adopted that prayer and instead of praying a lot of the things we may pray every day, which might be great prayers, but we started praying like this intentionally for others in our world to know what maybe we know about Jesus. You know what would happen? Your prayer life would take off in new and exciting ways because you would see God work over and over again because that's a prayer he wants to answer. You would see your community change as more people understand who Jesus is, maybe your place of work or your school or your neighborhood. As we pray that prayer for our families, for our friends, for our co-workers. Things change in their lives. Their worldview world opens up. They begin to see and understand Jesus the way they never have before. Their habits, their attitudes, their desires change. Their very lives are transformed as Jesus enters in and starts to monkey and change and do things in their life that they never dreamt would happen. Why don't we join with Paul each and every day in praying that same prayer? It would change our culture. Instead of getting angry about the things that are happening in our world and getting all raged up, why don't we start really coming before the Lord and asking that he would work and that his his power would be on display for all to see so that hearts would change so that those who have been far from God, and maybe Gentiles, if we use that word, would change. You see, Christ dwells in the believer's heart. 
He dwells in our hearts. It's a mystery of our faith that I can't even begin to understand. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in our hearts. And as that is the case, our lives change. So who are the people in your world who need to know what you know about Jesus? As Paul's on his knees praying for them right here, why aren't we doing the same? Why aren't we on our knees praying for those as you heart check your own heart, as we're on the treadmill, if you will, who are the people who come to mind that need to know Jesus? And then commit to praying for them every day. Because tr- Christ dwells in the hearts of believers. As we continue on this journey, I have to read this verse. I think this, this sort of sums up a lot of this because if you look at somebody, how do you know what's really going on in their heart? How can you tell? Well, I can tell with my kids or others I know what comes out of your mouth is usually a sign of what's going on in your heart. Parents, do you, under, do you see that in your families? Luke six forty five, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You can't fake it. If you want to be really vulnerable this afternoon when you go home or maybe tonight or tomorrow, ask somebody in your family, ask a friend, ask somebody from your community group, ask your spouse or your children or your parents, are the words that come out of my mouth Christ-filled? Can you see that I love Jesus by the words that come from my mouth? Ask that question and be ready for the answer. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a great way for us to check our own hearts and see as, as they are Christ's dwelling place, what is really going on? What's the real story? I dare you to ask somebody. I don't know if I want to do it myself. So the gospel is for all people. Christ dwells in the hearts of the believers. Christ dwells in believers' hearts. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And I pray that you... Again, he's praying for us. This is incredible. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. You may have power, not political power, not worldly power, but that the Holy Spirit power would be present in your life. But why? Why are you praying that for us, Paul? Listen to this. This is so good. They may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. When you hear that, what do you think? Picture that, picture that, that very sentiment that God's love for us, how wide How long, how deep, how tall is the love of God for you? God's love is immeasurable. There's no way you can comprehend it. 
There's no way. And in a time when you might be feeling unlovable, I do this often. There's times that the world just seems to be spinning out of control and I just pause and remember that God loves me with a love that I can't even understand. I can't even begin to understand or comprehend because it's so immeasurable. It surpasses my knowledge. As humans, we have a finite um, finite idea and observation of who God is. We have our experiences and some of the experiences of others, and we start to form an image of who God is in our minds, but he's so much bigger. And his love will envelop you if you let it. And Paul is praying again that we would have power to understand and grasp the incredible size and scope of God's love for you and for me. If you ever felt, or maybe you're feeling now unlovable, have you ever felt that for whatever reason? This should be the best news you could ever hear, that God loves you more than you can ever understand, more than you could hope to comprehend. He loves you that much. And as he's writing this to the Ephesians, their minds are continually being blown. How is this possible first the gospel's available for all and then Christ is dwelling in our hearts and now this love we can't even describe, it was earth-shattering. And maybe it is for you today too. Maybe you've never quite thought about the lessons that we can learn from Ephesians 3 in, in quite this way. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do, listen to this, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that it is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I refer to this verse a lot because it it just speaks to my heart that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I can imagine some pretty incredible things, can't you? I can imagine a world where there's no more suffering or no more pain. I can imagine people getting along and all of a sudden all this disunity is just melted away and people are working together and loving and just maybe getting things back to where they should be. I can picture a world where there's no more suffering and pain. For our church, I can picture a future that is just incredible. But all of that um, fails in comparison to what God has planned for us, for his hope and dreams. And he can do immeasurably more than maybe what we can imagine. And you're saying, no, I've got a pretty good imagination. Even more than your wildest dreams. And I'm not talking about dreams of material stuff, material goods or resources or stuff like that. No, no, no. I'm talking about immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine when we look at our world and God's work in it. That as we are his people in this world, he wants to bring all things back to himself and restore all things. That he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine because we can't even imagine what that will look like. He is that big. He is that incredible. And as we check our hearts, we have to begin to say, God... God exceeds our dreams. Did you ever think about that? He exceeds our dreams. What we think is right, what we think we're... He exceeds our dreams, and thank goodness, he does. 
Because although I think I have some pretty big dreams, they, they, they're nothing compared to God's desire, God's plans, God's wants for this world. God exceeds our dreams. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is just ready and willing to blow our minds, to exceed our dreams, to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. As we're in the middle of heart check, we see through all that I've read today and all we've talked about, that it's in God's nature to be generous to you and to me. Generous because the gospel is for all people. He didn't have to do that. He could have just kept it. But it's for all people. He's that generous. Christ dwells in the believer's heart. He's so generous that he makes his dwelling place in your very person. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the mystery of what that looks like, his dwelling place is in your heart. He's so generous because his love is immeasurable. He offers you an unbelievable, never-ending, life-changing love that you can't hope to measure. And he exceeds your dreams. Whatever you think, whatever you imagine, whatever you think is the latest, he exceeds your dreams. It's in God's nature to be very generous to you and me. And as we're created in his image, as we're called to live and follow the steps of Jesus, by the way, Jesus laid his life down for you and me, a very selfless, generous, loving act. We're to live in the same ways with our time, our talents, our resources, we're to love others the same way God has loved us, incredibly generously. This morning I was reading a devotion on um, YouVersion, and interestingly enough, it was all about generosity. And Carrie Newhoff was sharing, and he said, rich people aren't generous, but generous people are generous. In his devotion, he went on to say, just because you have all kinds of resources doesn't mean you're generous. A person who simply has $10 to his or her name can give a chunk of that away and be far more generous than someone who has all kinds of resources. Generous people are generous. And I've seen that play out here again and again over the years where we have been a generous church, yes, with financial resources, but also with our time, our talent, our abilities, the willingness to serve here outside the walls of this church. So if we are to truly follow the example of Christ that God laid out, that Paul laid out in Ephesians as we read the scripture, if we are to truly follow that out and live it out every day, we are to be exceedingly generous just as God has been with you and me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning where we can dive into the book of Ephesians and, and read these words that were so, so profound in the time they were written and, and maybe as much as they are today and how you totally changed the worldview of the readers who read this in the first century. Well, Father, just as you changed their worldview, change ours. 
Help us to understand that the gospel is for all people, not just those we, we might rub shoulders with, but for all. Please, Lord, help us realize that. Help us realize that you dwell in our hearts and that you are present there all the time. Help us to, to see and understand, as, even if we can't really fully grasp it, your immeasurable love for us. And Lord, we, we thank you that you exceed our dreams and that you want more from this world than even we do. Lord, as a church, as we're in the middle of heart check, help our hearts to be open to the same things that your heart is open to. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.